Act One, Scene One, Venice, a street. Enter Antonio, Salarino, and Solanio. In sooth, I know not why I am so sad. It wearies me. You say it wearies you. But how I caught it, found it, or came by it, what stuff it is made of, whereof it is born, I am to learn. And such a want which sadness makes of me that I have much ado to know myself. Your mind is tossing on the ocean. Believe me, sir, had I such venture forth, the better part of my affections would be with my hopes abroad. I know Antonio is sad to think upon his merchandise. Believe me, no, I thank my fortune for it. My ventures are not in one bottom trusted, nor to one place, nor is my whole estate upon the fortune of this present year. Therefore, my merchandise makes me not sad. Why, then you are in love. Ah, oh, five. Not in love, neither. Then let us say you are sad because you are not married. And twere as easy for you to laugh and leap and say you are merry because you are not sad. <laughs> now, by two-headed Janus, nature hath framed strange fellows in her time. Some that will evermore peep through their eyes and laugh like parrots at a bagpiper, and others of such vinegar aspect that they'll not show their teeth in way of smile, though Nestor swear the jest be laughable. Here comes Bassanio, your most noble kinsman, Graciano and Lorenzo. Very well, we'll leave you now with better company. Solanio and Salarino exit. Enter Bassanio, Graciano, and Lorenzo. Lord Bassanio, since you have found Antonio, we too will leave you. But at dinner time, I pray you have in mind where we must meet. I will not fail you. You look not well, Signor Antonio. You have too much respect upon the world. They lose it that buy it with much care. Believe me, you are marvelously changed. I hold the world, but as the world, Graciano, a stage where every man must play a part. And mine a sad one. Let me play the fool. With mirth and laughter, let old wrinkles come. And let my liver rather heat with wine than my heart cool with mortifying groans. Why should a man whose blood is warm within sit like his grandsire cut in alabaster, sleep when he wakes, and creep into the jaundice by being peevish? I tell thee what, Antonio, I love thee, and it is my love that speaks. There are a sort of men whose visages do cream and mantle like a standing pond, and to a willful stillness entertain with purpose to be dressed in an opinion of wisdom, gravity, profound conceit, as who should say, I am sororical, and when I ope my lips, let no dog bark. <laughs> oh, my Antonio, I do know of these that therefore only are reputed wise for saying nothing. But I'm very sure if they should speak, would almost damn those ears which hearing them would call their brothers fools. I'll tell thee more of this another time. Come, good Lorenzo, fare you well a while. I'll end my exhortation after dinner. Well, we leave you then till dinner time. I must be one of these same dumb wise men, for Graciano never lets me speak. Well, keep me company, but two years more, thou shalt not know the sound of thine own tongue. Exit Graciano and Lorenzo. <laughs> Is that anything now? Graciano speaks an infinite deal of nothing, more than any other man in Venice. Well, tell me now, what lady is the same to whom you swore a secret pilgrimage that you today promised to tell me of? Tis not unknown to you, Antonio, how much I have disabled my estate. To you, Antonio, I owe the most in money and in love. And from your love I have a warranty to unburthen all my plots and purposes how to get clear of all the debts I owe. I pray you, good Bassanio, let me know it. And if it stand as you yourself still do within the eye of honor, be assured my purse, my person, my extremist means lie all unlocked to your occasion. In Belmont is a lady richly left, and she is fair and fairer than that word, of wondrous virtues. Sometimes from her eyes I did receive fair speechless messages. 
Her name is Portia. Nothing undervalued to Cato's daughter, Brutus Portia. Nor is the wide world ignorant of her worth, for the four winds blow in from every coast renowned suitors, and her sunny locks hang on her temples like the golden fleece, which makes her seat of Belmont culture strand, and many Jasons come in quest of her. Oh, my Antonio, had I but the means to hold a rival place with one of them, I have a mind presages me such thrift that I should questionless be fortunate. Thou knowest that all my fortunes are at sea. Neither have I money nor commodity to raise a present sum. Therefore, go forth. Try what my credit can in Venice do. That shall be racked even to the uttermost to furnish thee to Belmont, to fair Portia. Go presently, inquire, and so will I where money is. And I no question make to have it of my trust or for my sake. Act One, Scene Two, Belmont. A room in Portia's house. Portia is discovered with Nerissa, her lady-in-waiting. By my troth, Nerissa, my little body is a-weary of this great world. You would be, sweet madam, if your miseries were in the same abundance as your good fortunes are. And yet, for aught I see, they are as sick that surfeit with too much as they that starve with nothing. Good sentences and well pronounced. But this reasoning is not in the fashion to choose me a husband. Oh, me, the word choose. I may neither choose whom I would, nor refuse whom I dislike. So is the will of a living daughter curbed by the will of a dead father. Is it not hard, Nerissa, that I cannot choose one, nor refuse none? Your father was ever virtuous, and holy men at their deaths have good inspirations. Therefore the lottery that he hath devised in these three chests of gold, silver, and lead, whereof who chooses his meaning chooses you, will no doubt never be chosen by any rightly but one who shall rightly love. But what warmth is there in your affection towards any of these princely suitors that are already come? I pray thee, overname them. First, there is the Neapolitan prince. Aye, that's a colt indeed, for he does nothing but talk of his horse. And he makes it a great appropriation to his own good parts that he can shoe him himself. Then there is the county palatine. He does nothing but frown, as who would say, if you will not have me, choose. I'd rather be married to a death's head with a bone in his mouth than to either of these. God defend me from these two. How say you by the French lord, Monsieur Le Bon? God made him, and therefore let him pass for a man. In truth, I know it is a sin to be a mocker, but he, why, he hath a horse better than the Neapolitans, a better bad habit of frowning than the Count Palatine. He is every man and no man. If I should marry him, I should marry twenty husbands. How like you, the young German, the Duke of Saxon, his nephew. Very vilely in the morning when he is sober, and most vilely in the afternoon when he is drunk. When he is best, he is little worse than a man. And when he is worst, he is little better than a beast. And the worst fall that ever fell, I hope I shall make shift to go without him. If he should offer to choose and choose the right casket, you should refuse to perform your father's will if you should refuse to accept him. Therefore, for fear of the worst, I pray thee, set a deep glass of Rhenish wine on the contrary casket. For if the devil be within and that temptation without, I know he will choose it. I will do anything, Nerissa Eyre. I'll be married to a... You need not fear, lady, of having any of these lords. They have acquainted me with their determination, which is indeed to return to their home and to trouble you with no more suit unless you may be won by some other sort than your father's imposition, depending on the casket. If I live to be as old as Sibylla, I will die as chaste as Diana, unless I be obtained by the manner of my father's will. I'm glad this parcel of words is so reasonable, but there's not one among them, but I dote on his very absence. And I pray God grant them a fair departure. Do you not remember, lady, in your father's time, a Venetian, a scholar in the company of the Marquis of Montferrat? Yes, yes, it was Bassanio, as I think he was so called. True, madam. 
He of all the men that ever my foolish eyes looked upon was the best deserving of fair lady. I remember him well, and I remember him worthy of thy praise. How now, what news? The four strangers seek for you, madam, to take their leave. And there is a forerunner come from a fifth, the Prince of Morocco, who brings word the prince his master will be here tonight. If I could bid the fifth welcome with so good a heart as I can bid the other four farewell, I should be glad of his approach. Come, Nerissa, said I go before. Whilst we shut the gate upon one wooer, another knocks at the door. Act One, Scene Three. Venice, a public place. Enter Bassanio and Shylock. Three thousand ducats. Moyo? Aye, sir. For three months. For three months. Well? For the which, as I told you, Antonio shall be bound. Antonio shall become bound. Well? May you stead me? Will you pleasure me? Shall I know your answer? Three thousand ducats. For three months, and Antonio bound. Your answer to that? Antonio is a good man. Have you heard any imputation to the contrary? Oh, no, 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 no. My meaning in saying that he is a good man is to have you understand me that he is sufficient. Yet his means are in supposition. Yet an argosy bound to Tripolis, another to the Indies. I understand, moreover, upon the Rialto, we have the third at Mexico, a fourth for England, and other ventures he hath squandered abroad. But ships are but boards, sailors but men. There be land rats and water rats, water thieves and land thieves, I mean pirates. Then there is the peril of the waters, winds and rocks. The man is notwithstanding sufficient. Three thousand ducats. I think I may take his bond. Be assured you may. I will be assured I may, and that I may be assured. I will bethink me. May I speak with Antonio? If it please you, to dine with us. Yes. To smell pork. To eat of the habitation which your prophet, the Nazarite, conjured the devil into. I will buy with you, sell with you, talk with you, walk with you, and so following but I will not eat with you, drink with you, nor pray with you. Ah, what news on the Rialto? Who is he comes here? This is Signor Antonio. Bassanio hurries over to Antonio, who has appeared at a distance. Shylock stands watching them. How like a fawning publican he looks. I hate him, for he's a Christian. But more for that. In low simplicity, he lends out money gratis and brings down the rate of usance here with us in Venice. 
If I catch him once upon the hip, I will feed fat the ancient grudge I bear him. He hates our sacred nation. The rails, even there where merchants most do congregate on me, my bargains and my well-won thrift, which he calls interest. Cursed be my tribe if I forgive him. Shut up! Do you hear? I am debating of my present store. By the mere guess of my memory, I cannot instantly raise up the gross of full 3,000 ducats. What of that, Tubal? A wealthy Hebrew of my tribe will furnish me. But, Sort, how many months do you desire? Rest you fair, good senor. Your worship was the last man in our mouths. Shylock, although I neither lend nor borrow by taking nor by giving of excess, yet to supply the ripe wants of my friend, I'll break a custom. Is he yet possessed how much he would? Aye. Aye, 3,000 ducats. And for three months? I had forgot. Three months. You told me so. 3,000 ducats? It is a good round sum. Three months from 12, then let me see. The rate... Well, Shylock, shall we be beholding to you? Signor Antonio, many a time and oft, on the Rialto, you have rated me about my money and my usances. Still have I borne it with a patient shrug, for sufferance is the badge of all our tribe. You call me misbeliever, cutthroat dog, and spit upon my Jewish gabardine, and all for the use of that which is mine own. Well, then, it now appears you need my help. Go to, then, you come to me and you say, Shylock, we would have monies. You say so, you that did void your room upon my beard and foot me as you spurn a stranger cur over your threshold. Monies is your suit. What should I say to you? Should I not say, has a dog money? Is it possible a cur can lend 3,000 ducats? Or shall I bend low? And in a bondsman's key with bated breath and whispering humbleness say this, fair sir, you spit upon me Wednesday last. You spurned me on such a day Another time you called me dog, and for these courtesies, I'll lend you thus much money. I am as like to call thee so again, to spit on thee again, to spurn thee too. If thou wilt lend this money, lend it not as to thy friends, for when did friendship take a breed for barren metal of his friend? But lend it rather to thine enemy, who if he break, thou mayst with better face exact the penalty. Why, look you how you storm. I would be friends with you and have your love. Forget the shames that you have stained me with. Supply your present wants and take no doit of usance for my monies. And you'll not hear me. This is kind, I offer. What kindness? This kindness will I show. Go with me to a notary. Seal me there your single bond and in a 
Merry sport, if you repay me not on such a day, in such a place, such sum or sums as are expressed in the condition, let the forfeit be nominated from an equal pound of your fair flesh. To be cut off and taken in what part of your body pleaseth me. Content, faith. I'll seal to such a bond and say there is much kindness in the Jew. You shall not seal to such a bond for me. I'd rather dwell in my necessity. Why, fear not, man. I will not forfeit it within these two months. That's a month before this bond expires. I do expect return of thrice three times the value of this bond. Oh, Father Abram, what these Christians are, whose own hard dealings teaches them suspect the thoughts of others. Pray you tell me this. If he should break his day, what should I gain by the exaction of the forfeiture? A pound of man's flesh taken from a man is not so estimable, profitable neither, as flesh of muttons, beefs, or goats. I say to buy his favor, I extend this friendship, if he will take it so, if not adieu. And for my love, I pray you, wrong me not. Yes, Shylock. I will seal unto this bond. Then meet me forthwith at the notary's. Give him direction for this merry bond, and I will go and curse the ducat straight. See to my house left in the fearful guard of an unthrifty knave, and presently I will be with you. Hide thee, gentle Jew. The Hebrew will turn Christian. He grows kind. I like not fair terms and a villain's mind. Come on. In this there can be no dismay. My ships come home a month before the day. Act two, scene one, Belmont, Portia's house. Portia is receiving a suitor, the Prince of Morocco. He strikes a pose and waits for Portia to say something. She doesn't. He strikes another pose, but still gets no response. Finally, he raises one hand dramatically and delivers a speech. Mislike me not for my complexion. The shadowed livery of the burnished sun, to whom I am a neighbor and near bred. Bring me the fairest creature northward born, where Phoebus' fire scarce thaws the icicles. And let us make incision for your love to prove whose blood is reddest, his or mine. I tell thee, lady, this aspect of mine feared the valiant. By my love, I swear the best regarded virgins of our clime have loved it too. I would not change this hue, except to steal your thoughts, my gentle queen. In terms of choice, I am not solely led by nice direction of a maiden's eyes. But if my father had not scanted me and hedged me by his wit, to yield myself his wife, who wins me by that means, I told you. Yourself, renowned prince, then stood as fair as any comer I have looked on yet for my affection. Even for that, I thank you. Therefore, I pray you lead me to the caskets to try my fortune. By this scimitar that slew the Sophian the Persian prince that won three fields of Sultan Solomon. I would outstare the sternest eyes that look, outbrave the heart most daring on the earth, pluck the young sucking cubs from the she-bear, yea, mock the lion when he roars for prey to win thee, lady. 
But alas, the while, if Hercules and Lichus play at dice, which is the better man, the greater throw may turn by fortune from the weaker hand. So is Alcides beaten by his page, and so may I, blind fortune leading me, miss that which one unworthier may attain, and die with grieving. You must take your chance, and either not attempt to choose at all, or swear before you choose, if you choose wrong, Never to speak to Lady Afterward in way of marriage. Therefore, be advised. Nor will not. Come, bring me unto my chance. Go, draw aside the curtains and discover the several caskets to this noble prince. The curtains are pulled. Portia gestures towards the caskets. Now, make your choice. The prince examines them one by one, reading the messages which are carved on the lids. Hmm. The first of gold, who this inscription bears, who chooseth me shall gain what many men desire. The second silver, which this promise carries, who chooseth me shall get as much as he deserves. This third, dull lead, Warning, all is blunt. Who chooseth me must give and hazard all he hath. How shall I know if I do choose the right? The one of them contains my picture, Prince. If you choose that, then I am yours with all. Some god direct my judgment. Let me see. I will survey the inscriptions back again. What says this leaden casket? Who chooseth me must give and hazard all he hath. Must give? For what? For lead? Hazard for lead? This casket threatens men that hazard all do it in hope of fair advantages. A golden mine stoops not to shows of dross. While then, not give nor hazard aught for lead. What says the silver with her virgin hue? Who chooseth me shall get as much as he deserves. As much as I deserve. Why, that's the lady. I do in birth deserve her and in fortunes, in graces and in qualities of breeding. But more than these, in love I do deserve. What if I strayed no further but chose here? Mm, let's see once more this saying graved in gold. Who chooseth me shall gain what many men desire. Why, that's the lady. All the world desires her. From the four corners of the earth they come to kiss this shrine. This mortal-breathing saint, the Hyrcanian deserts and the vasty wilds of wide Arabia are as thoroughfares now for princes to come view fair Portia. Never so rich a gem 
were set in worse than gold. Deliver me the key. Here do I choose. And thrive I as I may. There, take it, Prince. And if my form lie there, then I am yours. He takes the key and unlocks the golden chest. Oh. Hell. What have we here? He reaches in the casket and withdraws the contents. A human skull with a parchment scroll stuck in the eye socket. The prince glares at it. Oh, carrion death. Within whose empty eye is a written scroll. I'll read the writing. Unrolling the scroll, he reads, All that glisters is not gold. Often have you heard that told. Many a man is life of soul, but my outside to behold. Gilded tombs do worms enfold. Had you been as wise as bold, young in limbs, in judgment old, your answer had not been in scroll. Fare you well. Your suit is cold. He throws down the scroll. Cold indeed. And labor lost. Then farewell heat and welcome frost. Bowing before Portia with a tremendous flourish. Portia, dear, I have too grieved a heart to take a tedious leave. Thus losers part. Gathering his robes about him, the Prince of Morocco stalks out. Train following. A gentle ridden. Draw the curtains, go. Let all of his complexion choose me so. Act two, scene two. Venice, a public place. The door in Shylock's house opens, and a servant of Shylock's, Lancelot Gabo, comes trotting out. Certainly my conscience will serve me to run from this Jew, my master. The fiend is at my elbow and tempts me, saying to me, Gabo, Lancelot Gabo, good Lancelot, or good Lancelot Gabo, use your legs. Take the start. Run away. My conscience says, no, take heed, honest Lancelot. Take heed, honest Gobbo, or as aforesaid, honest Lancelot Gobbo. Being an honest man's son, or rather an honest woman's son. For indeed my father did something smack, something grow too. He had a kind of taste. Well, my conscience says, Lancelot, budge not, budge not. Budge, says the fiend, budge not, says my conscience. Conscience say I, you counsel well. Fiend say I, you counsel well. To be ruled by my conscience, I should stay with the Jew, my master, who, God bless the mark, is a kind of devil. And to run away from the Jew, I should be ruled by the fiend, who, saving your reverence, is the devil himself. Certainly, the Jew is the very devil incarnate. And in my conscience, my conscience is but a kind of hard conscience to offer to counsel me to stay with the Jew. The fiend gives the more friendly counsel. I will run, fiend. My heels are at your command. I will run. Lancelot starts away and nearly bumps into a little old blind man who gropes into the scene, tapping the ground with a stick and carrying in his other hand a wicker basket covered with a cloth. It is old Gobbo, his father. Uh, master, young man, I pray you, which is the way to Master Jew? Lancelot steps back in surprise as he recognizes him. Ah! Heaven, this is my true forgotten father, who being more than sand blind, high gravel blind, knows me not. I will try confusions with him. He goes around behind the old man. Master, young gentleman, I pray you, which is the way to Master Jews? 
Lancelot grasps him by the shoulders and spins him around first in one direction and then in another as he pretends to show him the way. Turn up on your right hand at the next turning. But at the next turning of all, on your left, marry. At the very next turning, turn of no hand, but turn down indirectly to the Jew's house. By God, son, this will be a hard way to hit. Uh, can you tell me whether one Lancelot that dwells with him dwells with him or no? Talk you of young master Lancelot? Mark me now. I will raise the very water. Talk you of young master, Lancelot? No, master, sir, but a poor man's son. His father, though I say it, is an honest, exceeding poor man, and God be thanked, well to live. Well, let his father be what he will. We talk of young master, Lancelot. And Lancelot, and please your master, sir. Ergo, master, Lancelot. Talk not of master, Lancelot, father. For the young gentleman, according to the fates and destinies, and such odd sayings, the sister's free, and such branches of learning is indeed deceased. Or as you would say in plain terms, gone to heaven. Mary, God forbid. The boy was the very staff of my age, my very prop. Oh, I look like a cudgel or a hovel post, a staff or a prop. Do you know me, Father? Oh, alack, sir, I am sand blind. I know you not. Nay, indeed, if you had your eyes, you might fail of the knowing me. <laughs> it's a wise father that knows his own child. Well, old man, I will tell you news of your son. Give me your blessing. Truth will come to light. Murder cannot be hid long. A man's son may, but at the length, truth will out. I pray you, sir, stand up. I am sure you are not Lancelot, my boy. Pray you, let's have no more fooling about it. But give me your blessing. I am Lancelot, your boy that was, your son that is, your child that shall be. Garbo feels over his son's head and shoulders. <laughs> I cannot think you are my son. <laughs> I know not what I shall think of that. But I am Lancelot the Jew's man. I'm sure Marjorie, your wife, is my mother. <laughs> Her name is Marjorie, indeed. I'll be sworn if thou be Lancelot, thou art my own flesh and blood. He grasps the lock of his son's hair. <laughs> Lord, worship might he be. <laughs> what a beard thou hast got. Thou hast got more hair on thy chin than Dobbin, my fill horse, has on his tail. It should seem then that Dobbin's tail grows backward. I'm sure he had more hair of his tail than I have of my face when I last saw him. Lord, how art thou changed? How does thou and thy master agree? Old Garbo holds up his basket. I have brought him a present. How agree you now? Well, well. But for my own part, as I have set up my rest to run away, so I will not rest. Till I have run some ground. My master's a very Jew. Give him a present, give him a halter. I'm finished in his service. You may tell everything I, I have with my ribs. Father, I'm glad you are come. Give me your present to one master Bassanio, who indeed gives rare new livery. If I show not him, I will run as far as God has any ground. Enter Bassanio with two of his servants. <gasps> rare fortune. Here comes the man. Lancelot pushes his father toward Bassanio and the others who are approaching. Kill him, father. For I am a Jew if I serve the Jew any longer. Bassanio is speaking to one of his servants. You may do so. Let it be so hasted that supper be ready at the father's by five of the clock. See these letters delivered. Put the liveries to making and desire Graciano to come anon to my lodging. The servant exits. Lancelot still pushes his old father forward toward Bassanio. Kill him, father. <laughs> God bless your worship. He bows in the wrong direction. Lancelot hastily steers him right. Gramercy, 
Wouldst thou aught with me? Old Garbo bows again and indicates the place where he thinks Lancelot is standing. Here's my son, sir. A poor boy. Not a poor boy, sir. But the rich Jew's man that would, sir, as my father should specify. <laughs> he hath a great infection, sir, as one would say to sir. Indeed, the short and long is I serve the Jew and have a desire. As my followers have specified. His master and he, saving your worship's reverence, are scarce cater To be brief, the very truth is that the Jew, having done me wrong, doth cause me, as my father, being, I hope, an old man, shall fructify unto you. I have here a dish of doves that I would bestow upon your worship, and my suit is... In very brief, this suit is impertinent to myself, as your worship shall know by this honest old man. And though I say it, the old man, yet poor man... My father. One speak for both, what would you? Serve you, sir. That is the very defect of the matter, sir. They both bow. Bassanio turns to Launcelot. I know thee well. Thou hast obtained thy suit. Shylock, thy master, spoke with me this day and hath preferred thee. If it be preferment to leave a rich Jew's service to become the follower of so poor a gentleman. The old proverb is very well parted between my master Shylock and you, sir. You have the grace of God, sir, and he hath it all. Thou speakst it well. Go, father, with thy son. Take leave of thy old master and inquire my lodging out. To his attendant, Leonardo. Give him a livery more guarded than his fellows. See it done. Launcelot takes the old man's father, arm. Father, come. He leads him to Shylock's house, planting him near the door. I will take my leave of the Jew in the twinkling of an eye. Leaving his father to wait for him, he goes in. I pray thee, good Leonardo, think on this. These things being bought and orderly bestowed, return in haste. For I do feast tonight my best esteemed acquaintance. Hi thee, go. My best endeavor shall be done herein. Bowing, Leonardo starts away. He meets Graciano. Where's your master? Yonder, sir, he walks. Exit Senior Leonardo. Bassanio. Graciano hurries over to Bassanio. Graciano! I have a suit to you. You have obtained it. You must not deny me. I must go with you to Belmont. Why, then, you must. But hear thee, Graciano. Pray thee, take pain to allay with some cold drops of modesty thy skipping spirit, that through thy wild behavior I be misconstrued in the place I go to and lose my hopes. Senor Bassanio, hear me. If I do not put on a sober habit, talk with respect and swear, but now and then, wear prayer books in my pocket, look demurely, nay more while Grace is saying, with mine eyes, thus with my hat, and sigh, and say, Amen. Never trust me more. Well, we shall see your bearing. Nay, but I bore tonight. You shall not gauge me by what we do tonight. No, that were pity. I would entreat you rather to put on your boldest suit of mirth, for we have friends that purpose merriment. But fare you well. I have some business. And I must do Lorenzo and the rest. We will visit you at supper time. Exit Bassanio and Graciano in opposite directions. For a moment, old Garbo is left standing alone by Shylock's house. Then the door opens and Launcelot comes out, carrying a knotted handkerchief full of his belongings. He is followed by Shylock's daughter, Jessica. I'm sorry thou wilt leave my father so. Our house is hell, and thou, a merry devil, didst draw it of some taste of tediousness. But fare thee well. There is a ducat for thee. And Lancelot. Soon at supper shalt thou see Lorenzo, who is our new master's guest. Give him this letter. Do it secretly. And so farewell. I would not have my father see me and talk with thee. Launcelot is overcome. And your tears exhibit my tongue, most beautiful pagan, most sweet Jew. <laughs> These foolish drops do something drown my manly spirit. <laughs> He runs off away, stops, remembering his father, returns, seizes old Gobba by the arm and hurries off with him. Jessica stands in the doorway, waving goodbye. Farewell, good Lancelot. Alack, what heinous sin is it in me to be ashamed to be my father's child. But though I am a daughter to his blood, I am not to his manners. 
Oh, Lorenzo, if thou keep promise, I shall end this strife, become a Christian and thy loving wife. Act two, scene three, Venice, a street, enter Graciano, Lorenzo, Salarino, and Solania. Nay, we will slink away in supper time, disguises at my lodging, and return all in an hour. We have not made good preparation. We have not spoken yet of torchbearers. It is vile, unless it may be quaintly ordered and better in my mind not undertook. It is now but four o'clock. We have two hours to furnish. Launcelot hurries up carrying Jessica's letter with a little bow. He gives it to Lorenzo. Well, Launcelot, what's the news? And it shall please you to break up this. It shall seem to signify. Mm. I know the hand and faith to the fair hand. And whiter than the paper it writ on is the fair hand that writ. Love news in faith. Launcelot bows again and starts away. By your leave, sir. Whither goest thou? Marry, sir, to bid my old master the Jew to sup tonight with my new master, the Christian. Hold here, take this. He tosses Launcelot a coin and is repaid with still another bow. Tell gentle Jessica I will not fail her. Speak it privately. Launcelot runs off. Lorenzo turns to Solani on Salarino. Go, gentlemen. Will you prepare you for this mass tonight? I am provided of a torchbearer. Aye, Mary, I'll be gone about it straight. And so will I. Meet me and Graciano at Graciano's lodgings some hour hence. Tis good we do so. Ex you and Salarino and Solanio. Was not that letter from fair Jessica? <laughs> I must needs tell you all. She hath directed how I shall take her from her father's house. What gold and jewel she is furnished with. What pages suit she hath in readiness. If ere the Jew, her father, come to heaven, it will be for his gentle daughter's sake. And never dare misfortune cross her foot, unless she do it under this excuse, that she is issued to a faithless Jew. Taking his arm, starting off with him, handing him the letter. Come, go with me. Peruse this as thou goest. Fair Jessica shall be my torchbearer. Act two, scene four, Venice, a public place. Shylock enters and crosses to his house, Launcelot running in front of him. Well, thou shall see. Thy eyes shall be thy judge. The difference of old Shylock and Bassanio. Going up to the door, knocking and calling out. What, Jessica? Thou shalt not gormandize as thou hast done with me. What, Jessica? And sleep and snore and rend apparel out. Why, Jessica, I say. Why, Jessica? I bid thee call. I do not bid thee call. Your worship was wont to tell me that I could do nothing without bidding. Shylock glares at him, and Launcelot dances away, smothering his derisive laugh to the door opens, and Jessica comes out. Colonel, what is your will? I am bid forth to supper, Jessica. There are my keys. But wherefore should I go? I am not bid for love. They flatter me. But yet I'll go in hate. To feed upon the prodigal Christian. Jessica, my girl, up to my house. Right loath to go. There is some ill a brewing towards my rest. For I did dream of money bags tonight. I beseech you, sir, go. My young master doth expect your reproach. So do I, his. They have conspired together. I will not say you shall see a mask. But if you do. Then it was not for nothing that my nose fell a-bleeding on Black Monday last at six o'clock in the morning. What? For the masks. Hear you me, Jessica. Lock up my doors. When you hear the drum and the vile squealing of the wry-necked fife, clamor not you up to the casements, then not thrust your head into the public street to gaze on Christian fools with the varnished faces, but stop my house's ears. I mean my casements. Let not the sound of shallow foppery 
Enter my sober house. I, Jacob Staff, I swear I have no mind of feasting forth tonight. But I will go. Go you before, Monsieur. Say I will come. I will go before, sir. Shylock disappears into his house. Launcelot skips over to Jessica. Mistress, look out at window for all this. Shylock comes out the door. He looks suspiciously at Launcelot, who dances around him, singing... There will come a Christian by, will be worth a Jewish eye. Whistling the tune, Launcelot vanishes in the distance. What says that fool of Hagar's offspring, huh? His words were farewell, mistress, nothing else. Uh, the patch is kind enough, but a huge feeder. Snail slow in... Prophet and he sleeps by day more than the wildcat. Drones hive not with me. Therefore I part with him. And part with him to one that I would have him help to waste his borrowed purse. Shylock stands for a time lost in his own thoughts. Then faintly from over the canal comes the sound of music. He looks up abruptly. Well, Jessica... Go in. Perhaps I will return immediately. Sighing, Jessica goes inside, closing the door after her. Shylock waits until he hears the click of the bolts shutting inside his house. Then he turns and walks slowly away. The dusk has deepened into early evening, and now the music and the sounds of gaiety grow louder. Presently, a little band of revelers Young ladies and gentlemen of Venice, masked and fantastically costumed, hurry down the street bound for some party. As they go off, laughing and joking among themselves and followed by their page boys carrying torches, they pass Salarino and Graciano, who enter in bright masks and cloaks. This is the penthouse under which Lorenzo desired us to make stand. His hour is almost past. And it is a marvel he outdwells his hour. For love has ever run before the clock. Lorenzo appears and comes up to them. He's masked. Sweet friends, your patience for my long abode. Not I, but my affairs have made you wait. Here dwells my father, Jew. Oh, who's within? The casements swing open, and Jessica, dressed in the costume of a page boy, looks down at him. Who are you? Tell me for more certainty. Albeit I'll swear that I do know your tongue. Lorenzo, and thy love. Lorenzo, certain, and my love indeed. For who love I so much? And now... Who knows but you, Lorenzo, whether I'm yours. Heaven and thy thought are witness that thou art. Here, catch this casket. She drops it into Lorenzo's hands. It is worth the pain. I'm glad tis night. You do not look on me, for I'm much ashamed of my exchange. But love is blind, and lovers cannot see the pretty follies that themselves commit. For if they could, Cupid himself would blush to see me thus transform it to a boy. <laughs> Descend, for you must be my torchbearer. What? Must I hold a candle to my shame? They in themselves could sooth are too, too light. Why, it is an office of discovery, love, and I should be obscure. So are you, sweet, even in the lovely garnish of a boy. But come at once, for the close night doth play the runaway, and we are stayed for at Bassanio's feast. I will make fast the doors and gild myself with some more ducats and be with you straight. She closes the windows. Lorenzo goes over to his friends. Now, by my hood, a Gentile and no Jew. Oh, beshrew me, but I love her heartily. For she is wise, if I can judge of her. And fair she is, if that mine eyes be true. And true she is, that she hath proved herself. And therefore, like herself, wise, fair, and true, shall she be placed in my constant soul. Jessica comes out the door. What, art thou come? He trades the jewel case for the torch Graciano has been carrying and goes with it to Jessica, placing his arm around her and covering with a part of his cloak. 
He steals a kiss. On, gentlemen, away! They run off together. Merrymakers crowd the streets, frolicking before the sober house of the Jew. Then the gaiety removes to another side of the city. A pause. And Shylock, returning early from the Christian's feast, walks slowly to his door. He knocks. Stands there, motionless, waiting, waiting. Act two, scene five. Belmont, a room in Portia's house, servants and attendants. Nerissa bustles in. Quick, quick, I pray thee, draw the curtain straight. The Prince of Aragon has taken his oath and comes to his election presently. The curtains are open. Nerissa looks about to see that everything is in order and then hurries out the side just as the big doors are thrown open by the liveried attendants of the prince. They stand aside, there is a flourish of trumpets, and the Prince of Aragon appears. He stops in confusion, looking about him. Enter Portia. Behold, there stand the caskets, noble prince. If you choose that wherein I am contained, straight shall our nuptial rites be solemnized. But if you fail without more speech, my lord, you must be gone from hence immediately. Aragon flutters over to the caskets. To my heart's hope, gold, silver, and base lead. He squints at the inscriptions through an eyeglass on a jeweled stick. Who chooses me must give and hazard all he has. You shall look fairer ere I give or hazard. What says the golden chest? Ah, let me see. Who chooses me shall gain what many men desire. I will not choose what many men desire, because I will not jump with common spirits and rank me with the barbarous multitude. Why then to thee, thou silver treasure house, tell me what's more, what titles thou dost bear. Who chooseth me shall get as much as he deserves. I will assume desert. Give me a key for this, and instantly unlock thy fortunes here. Taking the silver key offered him by one of Portia's page boys, he opens the silver casket. Too long a pause for that which you find there. What's here? He picks out of the casket a fool's head, a court jester stick with a message attached to it. The portrait of a blinking idiot presenting me a schedule. I would read it. Who chooseth me shall have as much as he deserves. Did I deserve no more than a fool's head? Is that my prize? Am I desert no better? To offend and judge are distinct offices and of opposed nature. What is here? Raising the eyeglass, he reads aloud. Some there be that shadows give. Such are but a shadow's bliss. There be fools alive, I wit, silvered or, and so a thick. Take what wife you will to bed. I will ever be your head. So be gone. You are sped. The eyeglass goes down, the scroll drops to the floor after a minute he speaks. Still more fool I shall appear by the time I linger here. With one fool's head I came to woo, but I go away with two. The Prince of Aragon stumbles out, his train following. Portia sighs in relief. Thus hath the candle singed the moth. To Nerissa, who is just entering. All these deliberate fools, when they do choose, they have the wisdom by their wit to lose. Come, draw the curtain, Nerissa. Madam, there is alighted at your gate a young Venetian, one that comes before to signify the approaching of his lord, from whom he bringeth sensible regrets, to wit, besides commends and courteous breath, gifts of rich value. Yet I have not seen so likely an ambassador of love. 
A day in April never came so sweet to show how costly summer was at hand as this Forsberger comes before his lord. No more, I pray thee. I'm half afeard thou wilt say anon he is some kin to thee. Thou spent such high day wit in praising him. Come, come, Nerissa, for I long to see quick Cupid's post that comes so mannerly. Bassanio, Lord Love, if thy will it be. Act three, scene one. Venice, the street. Enter Salarino and Solanio. Why, man, I saw Bassanio under sail. With him is Graciano gone along. And in their ship, I am sure Lorenzo is not. The villain Jew with outcries raised the Duke. Went with him to search Bassanio's ship. He came too late. The ship was under sail. But there the Duke was given to understand that in a gondola were seen together Lorenzo and his amorous Jessica. I never heard a passion so confused, so strange, so outrageous and so variable as the dog Jew did utter in the street. My daughter. Oh, my ducats, oh, my daughter, fled with a Christian. Oh, my Christian ducats. Justice, the law, my ducats, and my daughter. Why, all the boys in Venice follow him, crying, his stones, his daughter, his ducats. Let good Antonio Lucky keep his day, or you'll pay for this. What news on the Rialto? Why, it yet lives there, unchecked, that Antonio hath a ship of rich lading wrecked on the narrow seas. The Goodwins, I think they call the place. I would it might prove the end of his losses. Let us say amen betimes, lest the devil cross my prayer. For here comes in the likeness of a Jew. Oh no, Shylock. What news among the merchants? You knew. None so well. None so well as you. My daughter's flight. That's certain. I, for my part, knew the tailor that made the wings she flew withal. My own flesh and blood. Out upon it, old carrion. I say, my daughters, my flesh and blood. There is more difference between thy flesh and hers than between jet and ivory. More between your bloods than there is between red wine and Rhenish. But tell us, do you hear whether Antonio has had any loss at sea or... There I have another bad match. A bankrupt, a prodigal who dares scarce show his head on the Rialto. A beggar was used to come so smug upon the mart. Let him look to his bond. He was one to call me usurer. Let him look to his bond. He was one to lend money for a Christian courtesy. Let him look to his bond. Why, I am sure if he forfeit, thou wilt not take his flesh. What's that good for? To bait fish withal. It will feed nothing else. It will feed my revenge. He has disgraced me and hindered me half a million. Laughed at my losses. Mocked at my gains. Scorned my nation. Thwarted my bargains. Cooled my friends, heated mine enemies. What's his reason? I am a Jew. Has not a Jew eyes? Has not a Jew hands, organs, dimensions, senses, affections, passions? Fed with the same food, 
hurt with the same weapons, subject to the same diseases, healed by the same means, warmed and cooled by the same winter and summer as a Christian is? If you prick us, do we not bleed? If you tickle us, do we not laugh? If you poison us, do we not die? And if you wrong us, shall we not revenge? If we are like you and the rest, we will resemble you in that. If a Jew wrong a Christian, what is his humility? Revenge. If a Christian wrong a Jew, what should his sufferance be by Christian example? Why? Revenge. The villainy you teach me, I will execute, and it shall go hard. But I will better the instruction. A servant of Antonio enters and bows before the two Christians. Gentlemen, my master Antonio is at his house and desires to speak with you both. We have been up and down to seek him. As they start away, Tubal, a friend of Shylock, comes down the other side of the street. Oh no, Tubal! Here comes another of the tribe. A third cannot be matched unless the devil himself turns you. Exuant, Solanio and Salarino, the servant following. What news from Genoa? First off, on my daughter. I often came where I did hear of her, but cannot find her. Aye, there, 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 there. A diamond gone. Cost me 2,000 ducats in Frankfurt. The curse never fell upon our nation until now. I never felt it till now. 2,000 ducats in that and other precious, precious jewels. I would my daughter were dead at my foot and the ducats in her ear. Would she were hearsed at my foot and the ducats in her coffin. No news of them. Why so? And I know not what's spent in the search. Why thou loss upon loss? The thief gone with so much and so much to find the thief and no satisfaction, no revenge. No, no ill luck stirring, but what lights on my shoulders. No sighs but of my breathing. No tears but of my shedding. Yes, other men have ill luck too. Antonio, as I heard in Genoa. What? What? Ill luck? Ill luck? Hath an argosy cast away coming from Tripoli. I thank God! I thank God! It's true. It's true. I spoke with some of the sailors that escaped the wreck. I thank thee, good Tubal. Good news. Good news. Ha, ha! Where? In Genoa? Your daughter spent in Genoa, as I heard, in one night, four score ducats. Oh, sticks the dagger in me. I shall never see my gold again. Four score ducats at a sitting. Four score 
chocolate. There came divers of Antonio's creditors in my company to Venice that swear he cannot choose but break. I'm very glad of it. I'll plague him. I'll torture him. I'm glad of it. One of them showed me a ring that he had of your daughter for a monkey. Out of honor! Thou torturest me, too. It was my turquoise. I had it of Leah when I was a bachelor. I would not have given it for a wilderness of monkeys. But Antonio is certainly undone. Nay, that's true. That's very true. Go, Tubal. Be me an officer. Bespeak him a fortnight before. I will have the heart of him if he forfeit. Go, go, Tubal. Meet me in our synagogue. Go, go, Tubal. At our synagogue, Tubal. Act three, scene two, Belmont, a room in Portia's house. Graciano stands with Nerissa at one end of the room. Servants are in attendance. Portia is speaking to Bassanio. I pray you, Terry, pause a day or two before you hazard. For in choosing wrong, I lose your company. Therefore, forbear a while. The something tells me, but it is not love. I would not lose you. And you know yourself, hate counsels not in such a quality. But lest you should not understand me well, and yet a maiden hath no tongue but thought, I would detain you here some month or two before you venture for me. Let me choose, for as I am, I live upon the rack. Upon the rack, Bassanio. Then confess what treason there is mingled with your love. None but that ugly treason of mistrust which makes me fear the enjoying of my love. There may as well be amity and life between snow and fire as treason and my love. But let me to my fortunes and the caskets. Away, then. I am locked in one of them. If you do love me, you will find me out. Nerissa and the rest stand all aloof. Let music sound while he doth make his choice. Then if he lose, he makes a swan-like end, fading in music. Reply, 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 reply. 
may the outward shows be least themselves. The world is still deceived with ornament. There is no vice so simple but assumes some mark of virtue on his outward parts. How many cowards, whose hearts are all as false as stairs of sand, wear yet upon their chins the beards of Hercules and frowning Mars, who inward searched have livers white as milk. Thus ornament is but the guileless shore to a most dangerous sea. The beauteous scarf veiling an Indian beauty. In a word, the seeming truth which cunning times put on to entrap the wisest. Therefore, thou gaudy gold, hard food for Midas, I will none of thee, nor none of thee, thou pale and common drudge between man and man. But thou, thou meager lead, which rather threateneth than dost promise aught, thy paleness moves me more than eloquence. And here choose I, Joy be the consequence. He reaches out his hand for the key. A page gives it to him. And Bassanio unlocks the leaden casket and opens it. O oh, love, be moderate. Allay thy ecstasy. In measure reign thy joys. Cant this excess. I feel too much thy blessing. Make it less, for fear I certain. What find I here? From the casket he brings out a locket, a miniature of Portia. Fair Portia's counterfeit. What demigod hath come so near creation? Move these eyes, for whether riding on the balls of mine seem they in motion. Here are severed lips, parted with sugar breath. So sweet a bar should sunder such sweet friends. Here in her hairs the painter plays the spider and hath woven a golden mesh to entrap the hearts of men faster than gnats and cobwebs. But her eyes, how could he see to do them? Having made one, methinks it should have power to steal both his and leave itself unfurnished. Yet look how far the substance of my praise doth wrong this shadow in underprising it. So far this shadow doth limp behind the substance. Here's the scroll. The continent and summary of my fortune. He unrolls it and reads. You that choose not by the view, chance is fair and chooses true. Since this fortune falls to you, be content and seek no new. If you be well pleased with this, and hold your fortune for your bliss, turn you where your lady is, and claim her with a loving kiss. A gentle scroll, fair lady. By your leave. He kisses her. Portia takes his hand. My spell and what is mine, to you and yours, is now converted. I give them with this ring, which when you part from, lose, or give away, let it presage the ruin of your love and be my vantage to exclaim on you. Madam, you have bereft me of all words. But when this ring parts from this finger, then parts life from hence. Oh, then be bold to say Bassanio's dead. My lord and lady, it is now our time that have stood by and seen your wishes prosper to cry good joy. Good joy, my lord and lady. My lord Bassanio and my gentle lady, I wish you all the joy that you can wish, for I'm sure you can wish none from me. And when your honors mean to solemnize the bargain of your faith, I do beseech you, even at that time, I may be married too. With all my heart, so thou canst get a wife. I thank your lordship you have got me one. My eyes, my lord, can look as swift as yours. You saw the mistress. I beheld a maid. 
You loved, I loved, for intermission. No more pertains to me, my lord, than you. Your fortune stood upon the casket there, and so did mine too, as the matter falls, for wooing here until I sweat again, and swearing till my very roof was dry with oaths of love. At last, if promise lasts, I got a promise of this fair one here to have her love, provided that your fortune achieved her mistress. Is this true, Nerissa? Madam, it is, so you stand pleased with all. And do you, Gresciano, mean good faith? Yes, faith, my lord. Our feast shall be much honored in your marriage. An attendant opens the door, ushering in Lorenzo, Jessica, and Solerio. But who comes here? Lorenzo and his infidel. What and my old Venetian friend, Solerio? Lorenzo and Solerio, welcome hither. If that the youth of my new interest here have power to bid you welcome, by your leave, I bid my very friends and countrymen, sweet Portia, welcome. So do I, my lord. They are entirely welcome. I thank your honor. For my part, my lord, my purpose was not to have seen you here, but meeting with Solerio, by the way he didn't treat me, past all saying nay to come with him along. I did, my lord, and I have reason for it. Signor Antonio commends him to you. He gives Bussanio a letter. Ere I ope his letter, I pray you, tell me how my good friend doth. Not sick, my lord, unless it be in mind, nor well, unless in mind. His letter there will show you his estate. Graciano indicates Jessica, who is hung back shyly from the others. Larissa, cheer yon stranger. Bid her welcome. Your hand, Salario. What's the news from Venice? How doth that royal merchant good Antonio? I know he will be glad of our success. We are the Jasons. We have won the fleece. I would you had won the fleece that he hath lost. Bassanio is still reading the letter. There are some shrewd contents in yon same paper that steals the color from Bassanio's cheek. Some dear friend dead. There's nothing in the world could turn so much the constitution of any constant man. What worse and worse? With Lee's Bassanio, I am half yourself, and I must freely have a half of anything that this same paper brings you. Oh, sweet Portia. Here are a few of the unpleasantest words that ever blotted paper. Gentle lady, when I did first impart my love to you, I freely told you all the wealth I had ran in my veins. I was a gentleman, and then I told you true. And yet, dear lady, rating myself at nothing, you shall see how much I was a braggart when I told you my state was nothing. I should then have told you that I was worse than nothing. For indeed, I have engaged myself to a dear friend, engaged my friend to his mere enemy to feed my means. Here is a letter, lady, the paper as the body of my friend, and every word in it a gaping wound, issuing life blood. But is it true, Solario? Have all his ventures failed? What, not one hit? From Tripolis, from Mexico and England, from Lisbon, Barbary and India, and not one vessel escaped the dreadful touch of merchant-marring rocks? Not one, my lord. Besides, it should appear that if he had the present money to discharge the Jew, he would not take it. Never did I know a creature that did bear the shape of man so keen and greedy to confound a man. He plies the duke at morning and at night, and doth impeach the freedom of the state if they deny him justice. Twenty merchants, the duke himself, and the magnificos of greatest port, have all persuaded with him. But none can drive him from the envious plea of forfeiture, of justice, and his bond. When I was with him, I have heard him swear to Tubal and to choose his countrymen that he would rather have Antonio's flesh than twenty times the value of the sum that he did owe him. And I know, my lord, if law, authority, and power deny not, it will go hard with poor Antonio. Is it your dear friend that is thus in trouble? The dearest friend to me, the kindest man, the best-conditioned and unwearied spirit in doing courtesies, and one in whom the ancient Roman honor more appears than any that draws breath in Italy. What sum owes he the Jew? For me, 3,000 ducats. What, no more? Pay him 6,000 and deface the bond. 
double 6,000 and then triple that before a friend of this description shall lose a hair through Bassanio's fault. First, go with me to church and call me wife, and then away to Venice to your friend, for never shall you lie by Portia's side with an unquiet soul. You shall have gold to pay the petty debt 20 times over. When it is paid, bring your true friend along. My maid Nerissa and myself, meantime, will live as maids and widows. Come away, for you shall hence upon your wedding day. Bid your friends welcome. Show a merry cheer. Since you are dear bought, I will love you, dear. But let me hear the letter of your friends. Sweet Bassanio, my ships have all miscarried. My creditors grow cruel. My estate is very low. My bond to the Jew is forfeit. And since in paying it, it is impossible I should live. All debts are cleared between you and I. If I might but see you at my death, notwithstanding, use your pleasure. If your love do not persuade you to come, let not my letter. Oh, love, dispatch all business and be gone. Since I have your good leave to go away, I will make haste. But till I come again, no bed shall e'er be guilty of my stay. No rest be interposer twixt us twain. They start out together, Portia and Bassanio followed by their friends and servants. Act three, scene three. Venice, a street. Shylock stands over Antonio. The merchant is in chains and under a jailer's guard. Salarino is with him. Tell not me of mercy. This is the fool that lent out money, Gratis. Jailer, look to him. Hear me yet, good Shylock. I'll have my bond. Speak not against my bond. I've sworn an oath that I will have my bond. Thou callst me dog before you hatched a cause. But since I am a dog, beware my fangs. The Duke shall grant me justice. I do wonder, thou naughty jailer, that thou art so fond to come abroad with him at his request. I pray thee, hear me speak. I'll have my bond. I will not hear thee speak. I'll have my bond, and therefore speak no more. I'll not be made a soft and dull-eyed fool to shake the head, relent and sigh, and yield to Christian intercessors. Follow not. I'll have no speaking. I will have my bond. He walks away. It is the most impenetrable cur that ever kept with men. Let him alone. I'll follow him no more with bootless prayers. I am sure the Duke will never grant this forfeiture to hold. The Duke cannot deny the course of law. Well, jailer, on. Pray God Bassanio come to see me pay his debt. And then I care not. Act three, scene four. Belmont, Portia's house. Portia is seated at a table writing a letter. Larissa, Lorenzo, and Jessica stand nearby. Madam, although I speak it in your presence, you have a noble and a true conceit of godlike amity, which appears most strongly in bearing thus the absence of your lord. But if you knew to whom you show this honor, how true a gentleman you send relief, how dear a lover of my lord, your husband, I know you would be prouder of the work than customary bounty can enforce you. I never did repent for doing good, nor shall not now, therefore no more of it. Lorenzo, I commit into your hands the husbandry and manage of my house until my lord returns. For mine own part, I have toward heaven breathed a secret vow to live in prayer and contemplation, only attended by Nerissa here, until her husband and my lord return. There is a monastery two miles off, and there will we abide. I do desire you not to deny this imposition, for which my love and son necessity now lays upon you. Madam, with all my heart, I shall obey you in all fair commands. Fair thoughts and happy hours attend on you. I wish your ladyship all heart's content. I thank you for your wish and am well pleased to wish it back on you. 
Fare you well, Jessica. Exit Jessica and Lorenzo. After they have left, Portia hurriedly folds a paper she has been writing and calls to a servant. Now, Balthazar, as I have ever found the honest true, so let me find these still. Take this same letter and use thou all the endeavor of a man and speed to Padua. See thou render this into my cousin's hand, Dr. Bellario, and look what notes and garments he doth give thee. Bring them, I pray thee, with imagined speed unto the Tranict, to the common ferry which trades to Venice. Waste no time in words, but get thee gone. I shall be there before thee. Madam, I go with all convenient speed. He exits. Come on, Nerissa. I have work in hand that you yet know not of. We'll see our husbands before they think of us. Shall they see us? They shall, Nerissa. But in such a habit that they shall think we are accomplished with what we lack. I'll hold thee any wager when we are both accoutred like young men. I'll prove the prettier fellow of the two and wear my dagger with a braver grace and speak between the change of man and boy with a reed voice and turn two mincing steps into a manless pride and speak a phrase like a fine bragging youth and tell quaint lies how honorable ladies sought my love which I denying they fell sick and died. Why, shall we turn to men? By what a question's that if thou wert near a lewd interpreter. But come, I'll tell thee all my whole device when I'm in my coach which stays for us at the park gate. And therefore... Haste away, for we must measure 20 miles today. Act 4, Scene 1, Venice, a court of justice. The court is assembled. Officials are in their place. Guards are at their posts. And the prisoner, Antonio, stands with his friends, Bassanio, Graciano, and Solerio. The duke enters with some attendants, mounts the platform, and settles in his throne. What? Is Antonio here? Ready, so please, Your Grace. I am sorry for thee. Thou art come to answer a stony adversary, an inhuman wretch, incapable of pity, void and empty from any dram of mercy. I have heard Your Grace had taken great pains to qualify his rigorous course. But since he stands obdurate, and that no lawful means can carry me out of his envy's reach, I do oppose my patience to his fury and am armed to suffer with a quietness of spirit, the very tyranny and rage of his. Go on and call a Jew into the court. He is ready at the door. He comes, my lord. A silence. All turn to the door, then Shylock appears. Make room and let him stand before our face. The others fall back. Shylock's eyes search the courtroom till they light on Antonio. He seems to feed his hatred in one look. He walks slowly forward, looking up at the Duke. Shylock, the world thinks, and I think so too, that thou but leads this fashion of thy malice to the last hour of act, and then tis thought thou show thy mercy and remorse more strange than is thy strange apparent cruelty, where thou now exact'st the penalty, which is a pound of this poor merchant's flesh. Thou wilt not only lose the forfeiture, but, touched with human gentleness and love, forgive a moiety of the principle. We all expect a gentle answer, Jew. I have possessed your grace of what I purpose, and by our holy Sabbath have I sworn to have the due and forfeit of my bond. If you deny it, let the danger light upon your charter and your city's freedom. 
You'll ask me why I rather choose to have a weight of carrion flesh than to receive 3,000 ducats. I'll not answer that. But say it is my humor. Is it answered? What if my house be troubled with a rat? And I be pleased to give 10,000 ducats to have it baned. What? Are you answered yet? Some men there are of not a gaping pig. Some that are mad if they behold a cat. Mistress of passion sways it to the mood of what it likes or loathes. Now, for your answer, as there is no firm reason to be rendered why he cannot abide a gaping pig, why he a harmless, necessary cat, so can I give no reason, nor I will not, more than a lodged hate and a certain loathing, I bear Antonio that I follow thus a losing suit against him. Are you answered? This is no answer, thou unfeeling man, to excuse the current of thy cruelty. Do all men kill the things they do not love? Hates any man the thing he would not kill. Every offense is not a hate at first. What wouldst thou have a serpent sting thee twice? I pray you, think you question with a Jew. You may as well use question with a wolf why he hath made the ewe bleat for the lamb. Make no more offers, use no farther means, but with all brief and plain conveniency, let me have judgment and the Jew his will. For thy 3,000 ducats, here is six. If every ducat in 6,000 ducats were in six parts and every part a ducat, I would not draw them. I would have my bond. How shalt thou hope for mercy, rendering none? What judgment shall I dread, doing no wrong? You have among you many a purchased slave, which, like your asses and your dogs and mules, you use in abject and in slavish parts because you bought them. Shall I say to you, let them be free. Marry them to your heirs. Why sweat they under burdens? Let their beds be made as soft as yours, and let their pallets be seasoned with such viands. You will answer, the slaves are ours. So do I answer you. The pound of flesh which I demand of him is dearly bought. It is mine, and I will have it. If you deny me, fire upon your law. There is no force in the decrees of Venice. I stand for judgment. Answer, shall I have it? By my power, I may dismiss this court, unless Bellario, a learned doctor whom I have sent for to determine this, come here today. My lord, the estate without a messenger with letters from the doctor, and you come from Padua. Bring us the letters. Call the messenger. Good cheer, Antonio. What man courage yet? The Jew shall have my flesh blood, bones, and all, ere thou shalt lose for me one drop of blood. I am a tainted weather of the flock, meetest for death. The weakest kind of fruit drops earliest to the ground, and so let me. You cannot better be employed, Bassanio, than to live still and write mine epitaph. Enter Nerissa disguised in the dress of a lawyer's clerk. She strides over to the duke and bows. 
Came you from Padua, from Bellario? From both, my lord. Bellario greets your grace. She gives him a letter which he opens and reads. Shylock, in the meantime, has taken a knife from his girdle and is stropping it. Why dost thou wet thy knife so earnestly? To cut the forfeiture from that bankrupt there. Oh, be thou damned and execrable dog. Till thou canst rail the seal from off my bond, thou but offence thy lungs to speak so loud. This letter from Malario doth commend a young and learned doctor to our court. Where is he? He attendeth here hard by to know your answer, whether you'll admit him. With all my heart. Some three or four of you, go give him courteous conduct to this place. Meantime, the court shall hear Bellario's letter. The Duke hands the letter to an attendant who gives it to the clerk of the court. Your grace shall understand that at the receipt of your letter, I am very sick. But in the instant that your messenger came, in loving visitation, was with me a young doctor of Rome. His name is Balthazar. I acquainted him with the cause and controversy between the Jew and Antonio the Merchant. We turned over many books together. He is furnished with my opinion, which fettered with his own learning, the greatness whereof I cannot enough command comes with him at my importunity to fill up your grace's request in my stead. I beseech you, let his lack of years be no impediment to let him lack a revered estimation. For I never knew so young a body with so old a head. I leave him to your gracious acceptance, whose trial shall better publish his commendation. Portia, clad in lawyer's robes, enters the courtroom. You hear the learned Bellario, what he writes. And here, I take it, is the doctor cop. Portia walks straight to the duke. Come you from old Bellario. I did, my lord. You are welcome. Take your place. Are you acquainted with the difference that holds this present question in the court? I'm informed truly of the cause. Which is the merchant here, and which the Jew? Antonio and old Shylock. Both stand forth. Antonio takes a step forward. Portia looks from one to the other. Is your name Shylock? Shylock is my name. Of a strange nature as the suit you follow? Yet in such a rule that the Venetian law cannot impugn you as you do proceed. You stand within his danger, do you not? Aye, so he says. Do you confess the bond? I do. Then must the Jew be merciful. On what compulsion must I? Tell me that. The quality of mercy is not strange. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesses him that gives and him that takes. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. It becomes the throned monarch better than his crown. His scepter shows the force of temporal power, the attribute to awe and majesty, wherein doth sit the dread and fear of kings. But mercy is above this sceptered sway. It is enthroned in the hearts of kings. It is an attribute to God himself, and earthly power doth then show likest gods when mercy seasons justice. Therefore, Jew, though justice be thy plea, consider this, that in the course of justice none of us should see salvation. We do pray for mercy, and that same prayer doth teach us all to render the deeds of mercy. I have spoke thus much to mitigate the justice of thy plea, which, if thou follow, the strict court of Venice must needs give sentence against the merchants there. My deeds upon my head, I crave the law, the penalty and forfeit of my bond. Is he not able to discharge the money? Yes, here I tender it for him in the court. Yea, twice the sum. If that will not suffice, I will be bound to pay it ten times or on forfeit of my hands, my head, my heart. If this will not suffice, it must appear that malice bears down truth. And I beseech you, 
rest once the law to your authority to do a great right, do a little wrong, and curb this cruel devil of his will. It must not be. There is no power in Venice can alter a decree established. It will be recorded for a precedent, and many an error, by the same example, will rush into the state. A Daniel come to judgment. Yea, a Daniel. Oh, wise young judge, how I do honor thee. I pray you, let me look upon the bond. Oh, here it is, most reverend doctor. Here it is. Shylock, there's thrice thy money offered thee. An oath, an oath. I have an oath in heaven. Shall I lay perjury upon my soul? No, not for Venice. Why, this bond is forfeit. And lawfully by this the Jew may claim a pound of flesh to be by him cut off nearest the merchant's heart. Be merciful. Take thrice thy money. Bid me tear this bond. When it is paid, according to the tenor, it doth appear you are a worthy judge. You know the law. Your exposition has been most sound. I charge you by the law. Whereof you are a well-deserving pillar, Proceed to judgment. By my soul, I swear there is no power in the tongue of man to alter me. I stay here on my bond. Most heartily, I do beseech the court to give the judgment. Why then, thus it is. You must prepare your bosom for his night. Oh, noble judge, oh, excellent young man. For the intent and purpose of the law has full relation to the penalty, which here appeareth due upon the bond. Tis very true, O oh, wise and upright judge. How much more elder art thou than thy looks? Therefore, lay bare your bosom. Aye, his breast. So says the bond. Doth it not, noble judge? Nearest his heart. Those are the very words. It is so. Are the balance here to weigh the flesh? I have them ready. Have by some surgeon, Shylock, on your charge to stop his wounds, lest he do bleed to death. Is it so nominated in the bond? It is not so expressed, but what of that? For good you do so much for charity. I cannot find it. It is not in the bond. You, merchant, have you anything to say? But little. I am armed and well prepared. Give me your hand, Bassanio. Fare you well. Commend me to your honorable wife. Tell her the process of Antonio's end. Say how I loved you. Speak me fair in death. And when the tale is told, bid her be judged whether Bassanio had not once a love. Antonio, I am married to a wife which is as dear to me as life itself. But life itself, my wife and all the world, are not with me esteemed above thy life. I would lose all. I sacrifice them all here to this devil to deliver you. Your wife would give you little thanks for that. I have a wife whom I protest I love. I would she were in heaven, so she could entreat some power to change this cursed Jew. Tis well you offer it behind her back. The wish would make else an unquiet house. These be the Christian husbands. I have a daughter. Would any of the stock of Barabbas had been her husband rather than a Christian? We trifle time. I pray thee, pursue sentence. A pound of that same merchant's flesh is thine. The court awards it and the law doth give it. Most rightful judge. And you must cut this flesh from off his breast. The law allows it and the court awards it. Most learned judge. A sentence. Standing over Antonio, Shylock raises his knife. Come! Prepare! Carry a little! Shylock stops, 
without lowering his knife and looks around at her. There is something else. This bond that gives thee here no jot of blood. Sherlock drops his arm. The words expressly are a pound of flesh. Take then my bond. Take thou thy pound of flesh. But in the cutting it, if thou dost shed one drop of Christian blood, thy lands and goods are, by the laws of Venice, confiscate unto the state of Venice. The knife slips out of Sherlock's fingers and clatters to the floor. Graciano is the first to move. Oh, upright judge, mock Jew, oh, learned judge! Is that the law? Thyself shall see the act. For as thou urgest justice, be assured thou shalt have justice. More than thou desirest. Oh, learned judge, mock Jew, a learned judge. Sherlock hurriedly snatches up the bond and turns to Bassanio. I take this offer, then pay the bond thrice, and let the Christian go. Here is the money. Soft. The Jew shall have all justice. Sherlock reaches again for the purse. Soft. No haste. He shall have nothing but the penalty. Oh, Jew, an upright judge, a learned judge. Therefore, prepare thee to cut off the flesh. Shed thou no blood, nor cut thou less nor more, but just a pound of flesh. If thou cut more or less than a just pound, be it but so much as make it light or heavy in the substance, or the division of the twentieth part of one poor scruple. Nay, if the scale do turn but in the estimation of a hair, thou diest, and all thy goods are confiscated. A second Daniel, a Daniel Jew. Now, infidel, I have you on the hip. Why dost the Jew pause? Take thy forfeiture. Give me my principal. Let me go. I have it ready for thee. Here it is. He hath refused it in the open court. He shall have merely justice and his bond. A Daniel, still say I, a second Daniel. I thank thee, Jew, for teaching me that word. Shall I not have barely my principal? Thou shalt have nothing but the forfeiture to be so taken at thy peril, Jew. Why, then, the devil give him good of it. I'll stay no longer question. Tarry, Jew. Sherlock stops and turns back to her. The law hath yet another hold on you. It is enacted in the laws of Venice, if it be proved against an alien, that by direct or indirect attempts he seek the life of any citizen, the part against the which he doth contrive shall seize one half his goods. The other half comes to the privy coffer of the state, and the offender's life lies in the mercy of the duke only, against all other voice. In which predicament, I say, thou standst. For it appears by manifest proceedings, Thou hast contrived against the very life of the defendant, and thou hast incurred the danger formerly by me rehearsed. Down, therefore, and beg mercy of the Duke. The old Jew turns slowly and staggers over to the throne. Graciano pushes him onto his hands and knees on the steps at the Duke's feet. Beg that thou mayest have leave to hang thyself, and yet thy wealth being forfeit to the state, thou hast not left the value of a cord. Therefore, thou must be hanged at the state's charge. Shylock raises his eyes to the duke. Thou shalt see the difference of our spirits. I pardon thee thy life before thou ask it. For half thy wealth it is Antonio's. The other half comes to the general state, which humbleness may drive unto a fine. Nay. Take my life and all. Pardon not that. You take my house when you do take the prop that doth sustain my house. You take my life when you do take the means whereby I live. What mercy can you render him, Antonio? A halter gratis, nothing else for God's sake. So please, my lord, that you can all the court. To quit the fine for one half of his goods, I am content. 
so he will let me have the other half in use to render it upon his death unto the gentleman that lately stole his daughter. Two things provided more, that for this favor he presently become a Christian. The other, that he do record a gift here in the court of all he dies possessed unto his son Lorenzo and his daughter. He shall do this, or else I do recant the pardon that I late pronounced here. He looks to Sherlock for an answer. The old man's head is bowed. Art thou contented, Jew? What dost thou say? I am content. Clerk, draw a deed of gift. I pray you. Give me leave to go from hence. I am not well. Send the deed after me. And I will sign it. Get thee gone. But do it. The Christians draw away from him as slowly, painfully Shylock totters across the courtroom toward the door and exits. Graciano calls out after Shylock. In christening shalt thou have two godfathers. Had I been judged, thou shouldst have had ten more to bring thee to the gallows, not the font. The court breaks up. People crowd about Antonio, congratulating him. The duke descends from his throne and approaches Portia, who stands with Nerissa a little apart from the rest. Sir, I entreat you home with me to dinner. I humbly do desire your grace of pardon. I must away this night toward Padua, and it is meet I presently set forth. I'm sorry that your leisure serves you not. Antonio, gratify this gentleman, for in my mind you are much bound to him. Exit the Duke, followed by Magnificos and other court officials and attendants. Nerissa whispers to Portia with a nod at Graciano. I'll see if I can get my husband's ring, which I did make him swear to keep forever. Thou mayst, I warrant. Nerissa goes over to Graciano and engages him in conversation. Bassanio steps up to Portia. Most worthy gentlemen, I and my friend have by your wisdom been this day acquitted of grievous penalties. In lieu whereof, three thousand ducats due unto the Jew, we freely cope your courteous pains withal. And stand indebted over and above in love and service to you evermore. He is well paid that is well satisfied. I pray you, know me when we meet again. I wish you well, and so I take my leave. Dear sir, of course I must attempt you further. Take some remembrance of us as a tribute. You press me far, and therefore I will yield. Give me your gloves. I'll wear them for your face. Antonio gives them to her. She turns to Bassanio, taking his hand. And for your love, I'll take this ring from you. Do not draw back your hand. I'll take no more, and you in love shall not deny me this. This ring, good sir, alas, it is a trifle. I will not shame myself to give you this. I will have nothing else but only this. And now methinks I have a mind to it. There's more depends on this than on the value. The dearest ring in Venice will I give you, and find it out by proclamation. Only for this, I pray you, pardon me. I see, sir, you are liberal in offers. You taught me first to beg, and now methinks you teach me how a beggar should be answered. Good, sir, this ring was given me by my wife, and when she put it on, she made me vow that I should neither sell nor give nor lose it. That's you served many men to save their gifts. And if your wife be not a mad woman and know how well I have deserved the ring, she would not hold out enemy forever for giving it to me. Well... Peace be with you. She goes out. Nerissa, with an angry look at Graciano, follows her. My lord Bersanio, let him have the ring. Let his deservings and my love withal be valued against your wife's commandment. Go, Graciano. Run and overtake him. Give him the ring. Away, make haste. Graciano looks at his own ring, sighs, and exits. Come. You and I will thither presently. 
And in the morning, early, will we both fly toward Belmont. Come, Antonio. They start away together. Act five, scene one. Belmont. An avenue to Portia's house. Lorenzo and Jessica discovered. The moon shines bright. In such a night as this, when the sweet wind did gently kiss the trees, and they did make no noise. In such a night, Troilus, methinks, mounted the Trojan walls and sighed his soul toward the Grecian tents where Cressid lay that night. In such a night did Thisbe fearfully o'ertrick the dew and saw the lion's shadow ere himself and ran dismayed away. In such a night stood Dido with a willow in her hand upon the wild sea banks and waft her love to come again to Carthage. In such a night Medea gathered the enchanted herbs that did renew old Aeson. In such a night did Jessica steal from the wealthy Jew and with an unthrift love did run from Venice as far as Belmont. In such a night did young Lorenzo swear he loved her well, stealing her soul with many vows of faith, and ne'er a true one. In such a night did pretty Jessica, like a little shrew, slander her love, and he forgave it her. I would outnight you, did nobody come. But hark, I hear the footing of a man. Who comes so fast in silence of the night? Stefano is my name, and I bring word my mistress will before the break of day be here at Belmont. She doth stray about by holy crosses, where she kneels and prays for happy wedlock hours. I pray you, is my master yet returned? He is not. No, we have not heard from him. But to go we in, I pray thee, Jessica, and ceremoniously let us prepare some welcome for the mistress of the house. From the distance comes the voice of Lancelot Gobbo, imitating the call of the post horn. Who calls? Enter Lancelot Gobbo prancing up astride a cane and capering about the garden in crazy circles, pretending he's on a horse. Sola, did you see Master Lorenzo? Master Lorenzo, Sola, Sola. Leave her lying, man, here. Sola, where, where? Here. Tell him there's a post come from my master with his horn full of good news. My master will be here ere morning. Sola. Raising his post call afresh, Sola. Lancelot gallops away on his stick. Sweet soul, let's in, and there expect their coming. And yet, no matter, why should we go in? My friend Stefano, signify, I pray you, within the house, your mistress is at hand, and bring your music forth into the air. Bowing, Stefano exits toward the house. Here will we sit, and let the sounds of music creep in our ears. Soft stillness in the night become the touches of sweet harmony. Sit, Jessica. Look how the floor of heaven is thick and laid with patines of bright gold. There's not the smallest orb which thou beholdst, but in his motion like an angel sings, still choiring to the young-eyed cherubims. Such harmony is in immortal souls. Whilst this muddy vesture of decay doth grossly close it in, we cannot hear it. Come, ho, and wake Diana with a hymn. The sweetest touches pierce your mistress' ear and draw her home with music. I'm never merry when I hear sweet music. The reason is your spirits are attentive. The man that hath no music in himself, nor is not moved with concord of sweet sounds, is fit for treason, stratagems, and spoils. The motions of his spirit are dull as night, and his affection dark as Erebus. Let no such man be trusted. 
mark the music. And her Portia and Nerissa. That light we see is burning in my hall. How far that little candle throws his beams. So shines a good deed in a naughty world. Music, hark. It is your music, madam. The house. Methinks it sounds much sweeter than by day. How many things by season, seasoned are to their right praise and true perfection. Peace, ho! The moon sleeps with Endymion and would not be awake. That is the voice, or I am much deceived, of Portia. He knows me as the blind man knows the cuckoo by the bad voice. Dear lady, welcome home. We have been praying for our husband's health. Which speed we hope the better for our words. Are they returned? Madam, they are not yet. But there has come a messenger before to signify their coming. Go in, Nerissa. Give order to my servants. They take no note at all of our being absent hence. Nor you, Lorenzo. Jessica, nor you. Your husband is at hand. I hear his trumpet. We are no telltales, madam. Fear you not. Enter Antonio, Graciano, and Bassanio. We should all day with the Antipodes if you would walk in absence of the sun. Let me give light, but let not me be light. For a light wife doth make a heavy husband. And never be Bassanio so for me. But God sought all. You're welcome home, my lord. I thank you, madam. Give welcome to my friend. This is the man. This is Antonio, to whom I am so infinitely bound. Sir, you are very welcome to our house. It must appear in other ways than words. By yonder moon, I swear you do me wrong. In faith, I gave it to the judge's clerk. A quarrel, ho, already? What's the matter? About a hoop of gold. A poetry ring that she did give me. Suppose he was for all the world like Cutler's poetry upon a knife. Love me and leave me not. What talk you of the posy or the value? You swore to me when I did give it you that you would wear it to your hour of death and that it should lie with you in your grave. Though not for me, yet for your vehement old, you should have been respective and have kept it. Gave it a judge's clerk. No, God's my judge. The clerk will ne'er wear hair on face that had it. He will, and if he lived to be a man. Why, if a woman lived to be a man. Now, by this hand, I gave it to a youth. A kind of boy, a little scrubby boy, no higher than thyself. The judge's clerk. Boy that begged it as a fee. I could not for my heart deny it him. You were to blame, I must be plain with you, to part so slightly with your wife's first gift. A thing stuck on with oaths upon your finger, and so riveted with faith unto your flesh. I gave my love a ring, and made him swear never to part with it. And here he stands. I dare be sworn for him he would not leave it, nor pluck it from his finger for the wealth of the world, masters. Now, in faith, Graciano, you give your wife to unkind a cause of grief. And twere to me, I should be mad at it. Why, I were best to cut my left hand off and swear I lost the ring defending it. My Lord Bassanio gave his ring away unto the judge that begged it and indeed deserved it too. And neither man nor master would take aught but the two rings. What ring gave you, my Lord? Not that I hope which you received of me. If I could add a lie unto a fault, I would deny it. But you see, my finger hath not the ring upon it. It is gone. Even so void is your false heart of truth. By heaven, I will ne'er come in your bed until I see the ring. Nor I in yours till I again see mine. Sweet Portia. If you did know to whom I gave the ring. If you did know for whom I gave the ring. And would conceive for what I gave the ring. And how unwillingly I left the ring. When naught would be accepted but the ring. You would abate the strength of your displeasure. If you had known the virtue of the ring. Or half her worthiness forgave the ring. Or your own honor to contain the ring. You would not then have parted with the ring. Nerissa teaches me what to believe. I'll die for it, but some woman had the ring. No, by my honor, madam, by my soul, no woman had it, but a civil doctor, which did refuse 3,000 ducats of me and beg the ring. Pardon me, good lady, but by these blessed candles of the night, had you been there, I think you would have begged the ring of me to give the worthy doctor. Let not that doctor e'er come near my house, since he hath got the jewel that I loved. 
And that which you did swear to keep for me, I will become as liberal as you. I'll not deny him anything I have. Nor I, his clerk. Therefore, be well advised how you do leave me to my own protection. Antonio steps between Portia and Bassanio. I am the unhappy subject of these quarrels. Sir, grieve not you. You are welcome, notwithstanding. Portia, forgive me this enforced wrong. And in the hearing of these many friends, I swear to thee, even by thine own fair eyes, wherein I see myself. Make you but that! In both my eyes, he double sees himself. In each eye, one. Swear by your double self, and there's an oath of credit. Nay, but hear me. Pardon this fault, and by my soul I swear I never more will break an oath with thee. I once did lend my body for his wealth, which but for him that had your husband's ring had quite miscarried. I dare be bound again, my soul upon the forfeit, that your lord will never more break faith advisedly. Portia hands him the ring. Then you shall be his surety. Give him this and bid him keep it better than the other. Here, Lord Bassanio, swear to keep this ring. My heaven. It is the same I gave to Doctor. I had it of him. Nerissa holds up her ring before Graciano. You are all amazed. Here is a letter. Read it at your leisure. It comes from Padua, from Bellario. There you shall find that Portia was the doctor. Nerissa there, her clerk. Lorenzo here shall witness I set forth as soon as you, and even but now returned. I have not yet entered my house. Antonio, you are welcome. And I have better news in store for you than you expect. Unseal this letter soon. She hands it to the merchant. There you shall find three of your argosies are richly come to harbour suddenly. You shall not know by what strange accident I chanced on this letter. Sweet lady, you have given me life and living, for here I read for certain that my ships are safely come to Rhodes. How now, Lorenzo? My clerk has some good comforts too for you. Aye, and I'll give them him without a fee. She hands Lorenzo a document. There do I give to you and Jessica from the rich Jew a special deed of gift after his death of all he dies possessed of. Fair ladies, you drop manner in the way of starved people. It is almost morning. And yet I'm sure you are not satisfied of these events at full. Let us go in and charge us there upon integratories, and we will answer all things faithfully. She leads the way through the garden to her house, the others following. Graciano is the last in the procession. Well, while I live, I'll fear no other thing so sore as keeping safe Narissa's ring. <laughs> 